0: Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Knollcast. Bud, look forward to uh, jumping into a couple different things tonight. Uh, as always, we're fortunate to be able to leverage uh, some of the experiences and knowledge that you get from your uh, national recruiting responsibilities. Uh, you have been all over the uh, All-American game, Under Armour All-American game, if I'm not uh, correct here, over the past couple of days. Look forward to getting your uh, first hand opinion as to where Florida State is sits with some uh, pretty talented high school recruits, what is uh, left on the board anyway for uh, this year's class. We will do something that we've talked about for a while in uh, response to listener feedback, and that is uh, we'll be able to be very fortunate to draw upon the uh, knowledge of uh, Matt Minick when it comes to the Florida State basketball program. We have a real good conversation uh, with him planned for the back end of the podcast. So as always, want to thank our friends, Louisiana Hot Sauce, title sponsor the Nolcast that make uh, podcasts like these possible. Uh, they've been a great partner for us in 2018, and uh, here's to
1: uh, getting started 2019 on a positive note. No doubt, man. Looking forward to it. Uh, before we get to uh, new business, we need to cu- uh, you know, get to some old business. Got a couple of items of old business tonight. Uh, since we last left you, what's it been? About nine, ten days, I think. I had a, had a great Christmas and. Got to spend some time with family, and uh, now it's time to podcast again. But uh, it's kind of weird because I feel like we need to touch on these topics briefly, but we've already covered them very much in depth over the last episode or two. And the first one would be uh, the hire of Kendall Browse. Um, I think we said the last time we signed off that uh, we expect that to be done by the time their bowl game was done. And uh, indeed, uh, like, what, 3 o'clock, I think, the next day on an NFL Sunday before Christmas, before Christmas? Uh, that news was dropped. I think we've covered this a lot. Some people have concerns with the hire, understandable concerns. Others uh, don't. I think from a football standpoint, you probably could not have made a better hire. Uh, We'll have to see what the ultimate level of backlash will be. Florida State obviously tried to do their due diligence. I'm interested to know exactly what that entailed. And uh, from a football standpoint, People are really wanted to know what what's going to change. I don't know there's going to be that many changes to this offense. This is basically the offense that, that Willie Taggart runs, right? Like he got it, and he won't say this, but in my opinion, he got it mostly from Baylor, right? It, it's, it's an excellent, excellent scheme. It makes a ton of sense. And I think that the major changes you'll see might just be it running a little bit smoother. I, I do think that Bryles likely knows the system better than Walt Bell did. Uh, I, I think that it, it might be you know, a little more efficient this year. And ultimately, if they're not any better up front, they're not going to be much better in terms of offensive performance anyway. But uh, it's, it's certainly a continuity higher And under no circumstances did you want to be putting in a brand new offense following the, the offensive year that you just had. So need to build on what you did last year, even if at times what you did was not very good. If you want more on that, uh, please do go listen to our prior show. We talked about browse a lot.
0: Yeah, we've covered brows a, a good bit and uh happy with the way that we covered that and, and played out in a manner that wasn't uh all that unfamiliar to our, our listeners. So um, another subject and you know there's times on this uh podcast where I wish uh like I could hit a button or something like that, where we we're able to uh, emphasize a subject to our listener base that maybe, maybe we're not able to uh, at the time. And, and we spent a good amount of time talking about Jordan Travis in the last podcast. Now, I'm not going to lie to you and the listener and tell you that we knew that was a done deal, but we knew maybe we knew that was further along in the process than we could say at the time. So good for Florida State to be able to grab. Uh, a kid that uh, we talked about, a last name that Florida State athletic fans will be familiar with, and uh, a guy that by no means uh, fixes all the problems that you have at at the quarterback position, but at least gives you some, uh, you know, some very real depth and a, a kid that's a, a legitimate college football player at the position. Absolutely,
1: I, I think Florida State's very happy to have him. Um, if you want more about his abilities, again, please do go back and listen to the last episode. Uh, we did get a question on this. So, hey, guys, with all the talk of transferring quarterbacks and offensive linemen, I'd love to be educated in eligibility rules. Typically, transfers have to sit a year, but I keep hearing you and others mention that some players will be able to have an exemption from that and are eligible to play right away. Can you break down what qualifies someone uh, for said exemption? Sure. So there's a couple couple ways you can get an exemption, and it's typically called a waiver, but I guess you could call it an exemption if you want uh, for, from the uh, the residence eligibility rule, which is where you have to be there for a year before you can play. As we've seen, if your team goes on a bowl ban uh, and you are not no longer going to be able to play in a bowl for your college career, or potentially won't, like what happened at Ole Miss, then you could transfer out. Florida picked up Van Jefferson, that was really great for them. Uh, Michigan grabbed Shea Patterson, which is obviously an excellent get for them. So, uh, if that happens to a school, which I don't think there are any schools this year that's going to happen to, other than you know Florida State kind of self-imposed a bowl ban with by going five and seven on the field this year, then you you can get one for that. If, if there's like some NCAA propriety stuff, you can get out of it with that. If you have a like a sick family member and you're moving home for uh, like family medical reasons, you can get one for that. I also think that there's a good a good case we made that you can get one if you were treated in a like a real hostile, disgusting manner. Right. Which is what people thought that Justin Fields might be able to get one for. Because uh, the baseball player for Georgia was directing racial slurs at him during the game. And uh, certainly that would make, uh, I think, most people feel uncomfortable and, and uh, maybe unwelcome. With, uh, with Travis, I, I think that if they're going to do this, my guess it would be that it would involve uh, how he was treated by Louisville's coaching staff. I don't think there's a whole lot of love lost between Louisville's players and the former coaching staff. So if you had to go interview some of those players and ask them kind of how that thing went down and, and how the, how, uh, how Travis was treated, uh, my guess would be that uh, they would not say the fondest of things about that staff. And so he left uh, He left pretty quickly uh, there from Louisville. So that could be the way they do it. I don't know that it's going to work, but I, I think that the, the, the hostile treatment that he had there at the hands of Louisville staff, uh, could be one way, uh, or or perhaps some sort of medical thing if they're able to, uh, to pull that off. But, uh, yeah, you're right. Ingram. we didn't know that Travis was coming. We, we had a pretty good idea that Florida state was a lot more involved in this, uh, than I guess anybody was reporting at the time. A lot of the, uh, I think the the major two, four, seven person that was covering it was the guy for USF. And, and I traded messages with him and I said, hey, you know, when, uh, When's the last time you talked to Jordan about when he was going to announce? Because he, he was allegedly going to announce on on Friday, and I think the I think the guy told me that on Tuesday he, that Jordan had told him that he was going to, uh, go announce on Friday, and I was like, well, all right, I feel pretty good about us talking about this for a while because my information is more current than Tuesday. You know, this was later in the week. This was when we recorded that, like Friday night, Thursday night, I think. But we knew that Forest State had been in contact with him and, and that he he wanted to go there and was making steps to enroll. So. Yeah, sometimes we do know stuff, and uh, a couple of people did pick up on it. They're like, "Huh, why did Bud Ingram devote twelve or twelve minutes to talking about this Jordan Travis kid, seemingly out of nowhere?" So that was why. Now, some other updates on uh, some graduate transfers. Derek King, I checked in on this. He will not graduate this spring, according to uh, my source with Houston. So uh, that's. Something that looks like that is not going to be able to happen, so I, I, don't, I don't anticipate him being able to follow Kendall Bryles to Florida State. Also, just from here at the Under Armour All-American game, uh, the feeling is that if Fields transfers, that it will most likely be Ohio State because people expect Haskins to go pro. Uh, and Ohio State, you can step in as, as, a, as a ready-made passing attack, and and that would certainly be a great choice uh, for Justin. Not, not what Florida State fans want to hear, but, uh, but I mean – Ohio State's a lot more ready-made to win uh, than Florida State is, and you know, FSU seems to be in, in you know, a legitimate rebuild here. So, Anyway, that's kind of what I got on the uh, the quarterback transfers. I don't have anything new at all on Jalen Hurts. My guess is that he'll take a, a bit of time after Bama uh, plays in the championship game to figure out if he actually is going to transfer and then if he decides to. My guess is that he wouldn't take that long to figure out where he's going to go
0: think we've uh, tried to be upfront with people that the idea that Fields was a, a nice one, but probably not something that was going to come to fruition. If Hertz does uh, choose to open it up, certainly for a long time, I've thought that Florida State had a much better chance with, uh, with Jalen maybe than Justin. So uh, we'll continue to try to bring you the best information possible uh, surrounding any kind of roster moves, but particularly those that could impact the quarterback position. Uh, and, and like I kind of said at the beginning, Bud, we'll we'll devote the main part of this podcast to kind of lean upon your time at the Under Armour game and just to get as good of an idea as to uh, kind of what you picked up down there, whether it be from kids that were signed, kids that are committed and unsigned, and then uh, you know some of the quote-unquote targets that remain out there and whether or not it's just kind of a, a conveniently nice thing to be able to link Florida State to kids or whether or not... Uh, these are individuals that, that Florida State has a real chance of kind of pushing for in the
1: final final weeks that remain in the 2018 class. No doubt. So let's uh, let's get into that here. Uh, recruiting from the Under Armour All American Game uh, yesterday was check-in. Tonight was practice. Uh, the first practice of I think four that I'll be at. So anyway, I'm going to break this down into three main categories and two subcategories. First, we're going to talk about the commitments Florida State has, both signed and unsigned the Targets and in my thoughts overall. So I'll probably just buzzsaw my way through this about as as quickly as I can. Um, first up was uh, Kalen Deloach, linebacker out of uh, Savannah Islands. He did end up signing with Florida State, uh, big time get Florida State. Uh, I was encouraged to see Kalen. I haven't seen Kalen in person in a couple months, I guess. I'm trying to think back when last time I actually saw him in person, but. Uh, he came in there. He, he looked uh, he looked bigger and, and looked like a guy who is, is intent on, on making an impact in his first year in the program. Canlin's uh, a real smart dude, very energetic guy, uh, and an excellent sideline to sideline speed, you know, becoming more physical, I think, as he adds that muscle. But I, I, I chatted him up a little bit, and it seemed to me that, that he always knew it was going to be Florida State for him. He confirmed that his parents did want Michigan. Uh, and so I, I said, you know, that's, that's interesting. Would you mind expounding upon that a little bit? You know, I said, w- was it a situation where they wanted Michigan and they didn't want the other schools, or did they legitimately like all your schools and Michigan was just their favorite? Because I, I think there is a difference there, right? Like one is like, hey, I don't want you at these other two schools. I I only want you at Michigan. Or hey, my you know my favorite's Michigan. Uh, and he, he said no. It, it was more just their their favorite was Michigan. My favorite was Florida State, and you know, we had a discussion, and uh, and they they were very comfortable with my decision, and they emphasized that it was uh, my decision. So uh, that's how that went for the the folks out there who you know thought that the Michigan sites were making up stuff about how DeLoach's parents uh, favored Michigan. No, the, the Michigan sites were right about that. Uh, where they were wrong was in reading too much into that. In that, just because somebody's parent prefers a school doesn't necessarily mean that uh, that's where the kid is going to go to school
0: every, every recruitment's different uh michigan is is legitimately one of the premier public uh instant you know universities in the country and can certainly see the appeal there uh don't mean to get us sidetracked at all bud but with like today's results do you think that maybe the question of stability starts to get asked uh not that Harbaugh's in a place to be fired but normally uh you know things don't particularly end real well once he decides he he might actually entertain leaving uh, leaving a school.
1: Well, it's it's an interesting question because I, I think with Kalen, I mean, his three finalists were, I mean, quote unquote finalists: Florida State, Michigan, and Auburn. None of those schools right now have incredible stability, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, a yeah, good point. If you had to bet on who's going to be there the longest, it's probably Harbaugh, just because I feel like they love him so much there, but. If you had to take, you know, like if you had to say, okay, who do you like to be there the best for, like at least half of Kalen's career, probably Willie, right? Because I, I, I do think I would Willie's going to get at least three Willie, years.
0: Yeah, I would probably say Willie in both of those questions, really. Uh, and trust me, I do not think that this, you know, this program is necessarily on the most uh, foundation of bedrock at this point. So, yeah, a great point you make about uh, stability and, and questions surrounding stability in, in his final three schools.
1: So uh, next kid up, Jaleel McRae, big linebacker from IMG Academy, had a had a, a good senior year. Uh, definitely a, a, a Mike type backer. I think he said he was like two thirty 230 or two thirty five. Uh, always really happy to uh, to spread the gospel of the Noles and uh, and really kid that never wavered in his recruitment. He wanted to he wanted to be a Knoll. Um He really connected well with with Raymond Woody, the, the linebackers coach. They, they did a good job on him. Um, he's been one of their more active recruiters on social media and also uh in, in the DMs and maintaining the the group text and uh, you know he, he acknowledged him. it was hard after all the losses this year but uh, his message to the other kids was hey we we have to be the guys that go in there and and change the culture and and you know start racking up these wins so excited to see what he does out here this week i'm glad this is a padded game you know he's not a guy that i love in 7 on 7 i think he's more of a uh of a mike you know mike type linebacker but they definitely need those guys to come in and fill downhill and and, and trigger and 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 get downhill so very excited to see what he can do uh, the, the third player uh who was actually signed by florida state is raymond woody the third, and i missed him uh yesterday and didn't get a chance to talk to him so when we do our next recruiting update which will probably be in four or five days i'm guessing I'll definitely talk to him at some point this week. He just you know, with with a with hundred kids there and a lot of a lot of requests to fill for all the various Espionation blogs, uh, I don't always get a chance to talk to everybody on day one or day two. But uh, but I'm excited to see Ray. You know who does engagements really well for the table restaurant group, and they want us to spread their message about their engagement parties. Check this out. Did you know they can handle your engagement party, your engagement brunch, your rehearsal dinners, your wedding receptions. Your post-wedding brunch, right? If you just have a wedding, you want to have a brunch as as you wish everybody well and and see them off after the wedding, they can handle that at Central. They can handle that at Madso. They can handle that at Township. Really a great spot for all that. And uh, by the way, if you book any engagement party with them right now, wedding reception, engagement brunch, rehearsal dinner, whatever, they'll throw you a weddings in football season or rude pint glass and shirt for each member of your wedding party. That's a pretty cool little bonus. Those gifts add up, right? Gotta got, got give gifts to everybody. So that's really important to, to do. Also, they're gonna be giving away a tailgate engagement party for the spring game. More details to come on that. Basically, they're gonna set up a tailgate in the IM fields, cater it, and, and it'll be your engagement party tailgate. So really cool. And uh, for this, you could check out the events tab on the MatchSocial.com website, but Matt Thompson emailed me today said, hey, just ha- if you're interested, have him email me, matt at madisonsocial.com. That's matt at madisonsocial.com, and that's pretty cool. If you do, be sure to tell us about it.
0: All right, Bud, uh, we'll transfer from the three that are currently signed to the four that are uh, unsigned. Uh, Akeem Dent seems to be, or, or at least the three that are unsigned, Akeem Dent seems to be the prospects of getting the most attention right now from the fan base in general. That's something you would expect with, uh, with where he's rated and who he is being uh, pursued by. You know, just give us an idea as to what your initial observations were of Dent.
1: I've known Akeem for a while, you know, just for, from all the seven on stuff, and, and, and really enjoy watching him play. Elite level cornerback out of Palm Beach Central. He is still uh, committed to Florida State. I'll just basically tell you how the interview went. Hey, Keem. Hey, what's going on, Bud? All right. Hey, man. Just you know, to start, you're still committed to Florida State, right? Okay. How would you describe your commitment? Are are you like 100 percent? Are you 80? Do you not want to put a number on it? You know, he's like, I'd say my commitment is uh, strong. And I was like, okay, cool. Visit wise. Are you sure you're going to take visits? And he goes. Yeah, I, I think so. And then somebody else chimed in and they're like, but there's a possibility that you won't take visits? And he kind of like chuckled and was like, oh my God, I can't believe this guy's asking me this. But he was like, it's a possibility. You know, like, it's like, like, okay, whatever. So, but I'm sure some writer's going to write that like, it's a possibility that it doesn't take visits. A- Akeem Dent's going to take visits. Like this to me is all very clear. You know, if you see the kid's face, you, you can kind of see how he, he reacts to some of these more ridiculous questions. I don't think he's going to take four more official visits. He's already used his Florida State and uh, Willie Taggart's already used his in-home visit there in December because they were trying to get the kid to sign early and wrap up. Uh, he wants to make sure that, that he sees all of his options. Um, but Florida State is definitely in the driver's seat to keep Akeem's uh, commitment. I asked him about his mom because, you know, I was like, so where does your mom want you? And he, he kind of smiled and, and chuckled. And he was really not wanting to give a lot of answers yesterday, but he also didn't want to just not say anything. And you get a lot of these people just ask these kids stuff. It's, to me, it's just kind of dumb. But he's like, I, I don't want to answer that. And I was like, Oh, you know what? Why why is that? And he's like, Well, I was like, so are, are you guys on the same page? He goes, That's why I don't want to answer that. Yeah, we are. We're on the same page. So, you know, mom obviously her her other son, our Darius Dent, was a walk on freshman receiver for the Knowles this year. Very well connected to Florida State. They've been there. Numerous times on trips, and I know his mom wants to make sure he checks out all all their options and just be sure. But you know, Bama, he indicated wasn't recruiting him that hard anymore. Um, you know, Florida's trying to get in. I think Georgia could try to get in if they if they were to miss on Tyreek Stevenson and uh, Kyir Elam, who were being recruited by, by by Miami and Georgia, respectively. Obviously, Clemson still likes Akeem, and and Tennessee, you know, still trying on Akeem. Tennessee, by the way, has offered, I think, 440 prospects this year. If that seems like a lot, it, it is. Uh, Chip Kelly at UCLA offered 76. That's not many uh, for UCLA. That's a whole lot for for Tennessee. Uh, and their media down here literally asks every single kid about Tennessee. And, like, do you think there's a chance you could go to Tennessee? And I don't know what this is about Tennessee, but, man, they trick these poor Tennessee, oh, Tennessee residents a, every year. It's, it's damn,
0: incredible. It's, it's incredible.
1: They are shysters. It's ridiculous. I'm like, man. It, can I say that? Is that a word? Like that? That's not a slur, right? I don't, I don't think that's. Uh, I'm certainly that wasn't
0: it, wasn't it done with any ill intent, but uh, it's just so damn true. I mean, oh, you can think the person back who, to- who
1: acts with unscrupulous, fraudulent, or deceptive methods. I think
0: I think that can apply. Uh, I mean, just think back to anything. Mario Pender, James, James Wilder, Wilder Jr. Jr., Mario Pender. Yeah, you t- <laughs> yeah. You and I are on the same line here. But, Every year, uh, the Tennessee you know.
1: with the the late flip possibility, right? So yep. go big, Orange.
0: Definitely. For instance, here I'm jumping around here
1: a little bit, but George Pickens, right? George Pickens, receiver, who is committed to Auburn, comes in there and says he was you know, he feels really good about his commitment to Auburn. Uh, he was very impressed with the job they did in the bowl game. Obviously, like one of his best friends is Auburn's quarterback, Commit Bo Nix. They're really tight. And I expect him to end up at Auburn, most likely. He's like, Yeah, you know, I think if I, if I was going to go anywhere else but Auburn, it'd be probably LSU. And the only other visit I really want to take is Ohio State. And he said basically that, like, you know, because he, he was he was actually a guy who was kind of close with Hal because they were in the same seven on seven organization. And he was like, you know, I, I feel like Florida State's you know kind of going into, into more of a rebuild right now without Hal. So which I, I can't blame him. He's, he's, a, he's a receiver, so he, he'd obviously want to have a quarterback there. Florida State wasn't going to get him anyway, in my opinion. They're trying to shoot the moon here with the receiver recruiting because they like the class they got so much last year and, and aren't trying to bring in a whole lot of guys this year. Anyway, so Pickens goes to Hoover High School, which is where Jeremy Pruitt used to be the defensive coordinator on that old show Hard Knocks, if you all recall. Remember that MTV show, the, the, the one –
0: it's where the uh, appearance of asparagus throws
1: him for real loot. Never Correct, heard. right. Also where the head coach had two families and thought he could get away with it somehow, despite the fact that he was now a, a star of a national television show. Um, <laughs> oh, Rush Profs. Yeah, that was really a moment in time. Great TV show. A lot of hilarity. So Pickens goes to Hoover High School. Pruitt has not been a coach at Hoover for, I think, over a decade now. And... Uh, and the Tennessee guy, I forget who this was. I think it was Tennessee guy. He's like, D- do you do you get that feeling like Tennessee is home? Does it feel like home? And I'm sitting there like, where in the hell is this Tennessee stuff coming from? And why are these Tennessee reporters, like, butting in, asking every single kid on earth about Tennessee? I'm like, this kid is not going to Tennessee. Like, I wish I could bet on some of this stuff. You know, like, like why, why are we doing this? You know, and then, uh, sure enough, the headline – George yep. Pickett says, Tennessee feels like home. That's My it. My point is – You
0: answered your own question.
1: I yeah. try to, yeah. not I that, try to not answer
0: – you don't know the X's and O's of how that, yeah. that whole process works. I, but. I try to
1: ask open-ended questions and questions that are not specifically about one school unless the kids already brought up that one school. And I don't wear FSU colors, certainly when I'm talking to kids, unlike some media who – you know, because the kids, they, they get it, man. They don't want to be confrontational with these things. If you come out there and you're wearing garnet and gold shirt – and you'll be like, you know, describe your great relationship with Willie Taggart, right? They're not gonna be like, well, it's actually not great, you know. Like, they're tell me just just all the all the ways that your relationship with Coach Woody is special. All right. I mean, anyway, there's a lot of like putting putting words in these kids' mouths, but Dent he kind of doesn't want to say no to anything. Uh, but at this point, I do feel like uh, like like Hakeem is going to. Uh, I think he'll say a lot of really nice things to a lot of people. After taking visits, I'll be interested to see where he actually takes those visits. I already named the schools that I think he might go, you know, might go to visit wise. Florida State still goes to visit him in home a good bit, uh, and I I think they feel good about keeping him in the fold. Not like a hundred percent locked, but it, but I think yesterday it should come away good. Especially if mom already knows where she wants him to go, and Florida State's been his only visit, and she was with him, and he said he's on the same page with mom. I I do read into that a little bit.
0: Good deal. Uh, some positive news potentially for Dent. Uh, two more really talented defensive backs, Brandon Gantt and uh, Travis J. Sure. So,
1: Brandon Gantt uh, didn't sign early, but that was the plan all along, so they weren't, like, alarmed about that. Uh, he is going to take yesterday, I think said LSU and Miami. Of course, this was about two hours before Mark Rick stepped down. Wait, did Mark Rick step down yesterday? Today was when it became official. But yesterday, I think, was when, when everybody started hearing about it a little bit. But that was post-media session, so we didn't really get a chance to ask him about that. LSU trip, obviously LSU does a good job of defensive backs. So does Florida State. Uh, I, I think that's just him wanting to get out there and see something. Florida State feels pretty confident that they'll keep Gantt. Gantt also has been a very active recruiter for them on social media and, and has not let up with that. So I don't think they're worried about him really at all. You know, With Travis J. We've heard a lot about the, the potential negative recruiting being done by, by other schools. Negative recruiting is done because it's effective. It's just like negative political advertising, and uh, Florida State's going to have to to continue to work to ensure Travis that uh, they're moving in the right direction. Um, obviously, Tennessee has a bit of a connection with him because of you know he, he knew Charles Kelly in, in his time here. Florida's trying to get on on, on Travis pretty hard, and, and Clemson also likes him. And again, Georgia, Bama. It's going to be kind of all these same schools for all the defensive backs down the stretch. But again, I, I think Florida State feels good about Travis J. I think the odds that they keep all three are better than the odds that they lose one. I'm not saying it's a lock, but I I think if I had to pick keep all three or any other result, I think I would say keep all three. Ingram, what what's your New Year's resolution going to be? Because I know what mine's going to be. It's going to be to use Resolution Home Loans to buy a new home. Resolution Home Loans is a proud sponsor of the NOLCAST it has been so now for over a year. We've had double-digit NOLCAST listeners use Resolution Home Loans to, to secure their home loan, and they've all loved the process. We've had a ton, a ton of great feedback from them. Chad and Shannon are, are great NOLs at NOLO loan business, and, and they, they walk you through the process. They keep you informed throughout, and yet it's a speedy process. They're, they're gonna stay on you. They're gonna wanna, wanna see this thing to the finish line. They, they want to they get your approval done so that when you find that house of your dreams, you're ready to fire on that thing. You're, you're, you're ready to go. That thing is cocked. So let's let's get you all into a new home this year with the help of Resolution Home Loans, supporting old cast businesses, fsuhomeloans.com. It's fsuhomeloans.com. Or call 844-FSU-LOAN. It's 844-FSU-LOAN.
0: All right, bud. Transition to the uh, target process or the uh, target prospects that are left. Um, a guy that we mentioned in uh, last week's pod, R.J. Henderson, a uh, very talented Texas wide receiver. Uh, not necessarily a, like a, a massive prospect, I think around six foot one or so, but pretty smooth in his route running. Uh, impressive kid that, you know, maybe Florida State hadn't been associated with. At least the broader fan base hasn't been all that aware of until the past uh, week to 10 days.
1: Big-time receiver out of Houston. Uh, some of the guys in Texas don't like him that much. Some of the guys think he's actually really good. I've seen him play some seven-on-seven seven stuff. I, I was pretty impressed. I think he's a good player. So a couple things here. Number one, Florida State is the only school to which he has set an official visit uh, as far as like upcoming official visits. He already took one in the spring to Oklahoma where he was committed. He's decommitted from, from Oklahoma. He's not going to go back to Oklahoma. He made that pretty clear yesterday. Florida, Georgia, Penn State, and I forgot. There there was a, another school, too, there that he was thinking about taking visits to. He said none were scheduled, but then he actually revealed something interesting here that of those schools, Florida State's been talking to him kind of the most and, and the longest. And uh, and that he actually does have his official visit scheduled to Florida State for the 25th. I guess he just maybe either forgot about that or didn't want to say that in front of the big group, but I chatted with him for a good bit. He's familiar with Kendall Bryles. Uh, he, he talks to, to Coach Kelly a lot and Florida State Texas recruiters. And he was once committed to Willie Taggart when Taggart was the head coach at Oregon. So uh, there's a pre-existing relationship there. As of now, I do believe that Florida State is the favorite to land uh, R.J. Henderson, and that would be a nice gift for them. Top 150 level player a receiver out of Texas, very productive, and uh, just, a, just a lot of factors in their favor. I'm not saying it's a lock. But certainly a kid to watch down the stretch. If you're into watching highlights online, on our SB Nation uh, YouTube recruiting channel, uh, we we have a lot of a lot of highlights of Henderson, so you can go find those. Shimon Cooper, a
0: linebacker prospect that uh, Florida State may be involved with, depending on who you talk to.
1: He is a kid whose uh, whose coach um, is is now at Illinois. They, they hired him uh, back, and and he's done a really good job recruiting. I've known Shimon for a while. It's not certain if he'll announce at the game or not. Florida State's been been, been on him a lot in the last month or so as, as they try to take a fourth linebacker in the class if they can get the right guy. It is possible, and in fact I've seen this happen a lot in previous years, that he could announce for like an Illinois or Missouri or wherever during the Under Armour game, which is on the third, and then still show up and take a visit in Tallahassee on one of those January weekends, probably the 25th, which is the big weekend that Florida State's trying to bring in all their remaining kids. So something to watch there. Even if he commits to to Illinois on January third, it doesn't necessarily mean that this thing is over. Jacquez Soros, defensive tackle prospect. A very interesting prospect. It almost seemed like not a lot of schools are actually recruiting him at certain points this year. I really could never get a good feel for, like, who actually is recruiting this guy? You know, I'd, I'd ask certain schools, they're like, no, we're not really on him. And I never really got a straight answer why. Um, you know, I, I had people speculate some reasons, but without solid confirmation, I'm, I'm not going to share those with the audience. I don't think it's really fair to the kid. Uh, South Carolina has been most consistently on him. Uh, they, they seem to like him a lot and seem to be willing to take him. Penn State is also somewhat in on him. He said Alabama. I don't know that he's a take at Alabama. It, maybe if they miss on a lot of kids down the stretch or something, he would be. But if he if he called him up today, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I'm not sure that they would say, all right, w- welcome to the class. You're in. They, they might tell him, hey, let's let's wait this out and see how, see how the, the, the dominoes fall. Come sign a day. Florida State is also in contention for a visit. Right now, I think they're on the outside looking in, and I'm not sure that they're really pushing that hard for him. I am not saying he wouldn't be a good addition to the class, but I I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not convinced he would be a, a home run addition to the class of the the nature that you would expect given his lofty uh, recruiting ranking based on his physical tools. Is that is that kind of my, am I getting my point across there? I
0: get it. I definitely okay. do. Cool. Yep. Yeah. A guy that was previously mentioned, uh, a guy that we've talked about since uh since the beginning of of summer really, George Pickens, uh uh, wide receiver prospect out of Hoover, like we said, a uh, guy that's been to Tallahassee throughout the process, throughout the summer, and uh, somebody that kind of remains out there on the board.
1: Yeah, so Pickens, uh, I, I I consider Florida State uh, not in it for Pickens right now. I know some other outlets are probably disagreeing with that, but I'd, I'd be surprised if they, if they end up seriously in it with Pickens at this point. So, yeah, I, I, I guess we pretty much already did cover him there. Darnell Wright. Uh, the office of tackle, by the way, out of uh, out of West Virginia. Uh, I fully expect him to go to Tennessee. Uh, his coach, I believe it is, has a major connection to Tennessee. That's where I expect him to go. He actually canceled his Georgia visit. Uh, he may take another visit, or he may reschedule a visit to Georgia. He said uh, he was asked about Florida State. And, and look, in in previous uh, conversations, he, you know, like over summer, he did mention. Uh, an intent to visit Florida State, but there was never like like a, a lockdown date that he was going to do it. He doesn't do a whole lot of interviews, and uh, just in talking with him, I, I did not get a Florida State vibe from him at all. I know he's been mentioned, and we get a lot of questions about him. What about Darnell Wright? I think Darnell Wright's going to go to Tennessee. I, I think that they're the odds on for him by far. I, I don't think that that uh, that really anybody else is, is actually all that much. He mentioned West Virginia. Uh, there's a good chance Dana Holgerson actually goes, and Leaves WVU and becomes the head coach at Houston. He mentioned North Carolina. Obviously, it's you know, fairly close to home, or closer to home with North Carolina to West Virginia. But uh, I, yeah, I, I think I'm feeling Tennessee for him, and I'm not going to continue to put him out there as a potential player for this class. I, I guess I'll finish this out. Uh, Jonathan Mingo. I'll give credit to Josh Newberg, who I, I was sitting uh, one chair over from in the uh, the media room on Saturday. He he. Uh, he Told me that uh, Jonathan Mingo, this old Miss uh, receiver recruit, uh, had mentioned that he would probably take an official visit to Florida State after, uh, you know, sort of later in the period. I didn't get a chance to talk with Mingo, so I, I don't, you know, he didn't tell me this firsthand. But I, I do, I do trust Josh. He works for 247, and you know, does a great job. So we'll have to see what their actual level of interest is with him. I asked some Mississippi guys after that. I was like, "What do you think?" And they're like, "Well, we think the kid's going to stay in state." Whether, whether it's Ole Miss or, or maybe you know maybe Mississippi State type thing, uh, but they, they would be surprised if he left the state. So we'll have to see on, on Mingo. Apparently, Florida State likes him, though, to some level. That was news to me. I, I actually didn't know about that. But uh, we'll monitor and see if that it ever actually happens.
0: All right, bud. Uh, I believe we had a recruiting question uh, thrown our way as well. Well, I guess you just want to kind of give your overall thoughts as to anything that stood out
1: to you or what you've been able to glean from your initial time down there. Yeah, so, okay, so, so the main thoughts, uh, I think it was good to get some clarification on some guys like, like Pickens and Darnell Wright. I do feel like Florida State is in good good position to keep all three defensive backs. Um, if I had to wager yes or no, I would wager yes. I wouldn't put my house on it. But I, I, I do think, like, I didn't get any crazy red flags, right? They were like, okay. This guy is definitely leaving the class, but he's just not—he's not wanting to say it right now. I, I didn't get that, and you know, you guys know that I usually tell you if I feel something like that. And then also, R.J. Henderson said a lot of nice things about Florida State and about about you know, acknowledging his familiarity with the, the with the existing staff and, and also, um, you know, understanding the offense that Kendall Browse runs. And uh, and it was interesting with, with with Shimon Cooper, you know, still having the ability to take those visits if he so chooses after potentially committing on TV. So, you know, it seems like Florida State's in a pretty good place here at, at the Under Armour game. There's no real big surprises on the the positive side, but there's no real big surprises as to, like, the negative. Like, ooh, man, like, I, I didn't expect this kid to say that. Like, that's a real bad sign. I didn't get any of those red flags in speaking with these guys. Our
0: listener question reads, curious as to why so many players sign during the early signing period, especially with the amount of coaching turnover, both of head coaches and assistants that occurs between early signing day and the end of the year. It would seem if you were totally committed to the school, regardless of who is coaching you sign early. However, if it is due to the coaches, you are better to wait for the traditional signing period in February. You could still early enroll, even if you haven't signed the LOI. Just curious if you've discussed this with recruits, do they even think about this Great show. Don't always agree with you two
1: or your opinion, but always respect the thought process. Eric. So I, I have talked to kids about this, and Eric, we very much appreciate the question. Uh, you know, If you guys have longer questions, you know, do send them to thenolecast at gmail.com. I have talked to some recruits about this, and most of them just kind of want to get it done and, and get it out of the way. It's sort of like one of these things like, you know, why do you do this? Oh, well, that's just what you do, right? You, you, you just sign. The schools wanted to sign, and I feel like, they feel like they developed a certain level of trust with the school, and the school tells them, all right, we're going to you the paperwork, sign it. And yet then you know you have stuff like Mark Rick retiring, like what, a week after signing day? Or Ken O'Brien's leaving Houston for uh, for Florida State. Although now it looks like the whole staff <laughs> would have had leave anyway because uh, they up and up and got rid of uh, Major Applewhite today or yesterday, whatever day that actually happened on. I don't think it's very fair to the kids. I do think that if your, uh, if your coach leaves before March – honestly or like like before the end of march I, I think you should be able to to get out of your letter of intent um, i've said i've said this many times if your position coach your area recruiter the coordinator on your side of the ball that you're going to play in the school and you would have to agree on agree on that in, in your your letter of intent you know what, what side of the ball they intend for you to play on initially or the head coach many of those four leave i think you should be able to get out of your letter of intent without penalty some parents seem to get this and and you know, like, who is the linebacker for Georgia uh, that never signed, and he ended up getting getting picked up by the Bears in the first round? Roquan. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Roquan. Um, he never ended up signing signing a damn thing. He just enrolled and and waited to do it. And I think that's the smart reason. Why would you give up your leverage as a recruit? Once you sign, they kind of own your rights, man. Mm-hmm. As a player, and and I, there's no real reason for an elite player to sign. And and if I was gonna like, if there's some place to say, hey, if you don't sign, we're gonna take somebody else. To me that would be an enormous red flag that they really don't like you and value you as much and next year they'll probably recruit over you and they're just they're just taking you largely for depth purposes right like i, I think about that with schools like the Bama, ohio state Georgia's all the time right the, the kids they get very late in the cycle who they just get on sometimes i do think man these kids and this happens in florida state too i'm not gonna lie and at most of the big schools but i'm thinking man this kid right here he was a playing c for this school.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And for him, he don't realize it, and he loves loves the name value of the school. Oh, my God, I'm getting an offer from Bama. Right? Well, here's the thing. You're probably getting this offer a week before Christmas because they missed on their top targets, most likely. There's, some, sometimes there's late bloomers, sure. But most likely it's because they missed. And you know what's probably not going to happen next year? They're probably not going to miss again. They're probably going to get their plan A because it's a super elite school. And that plan A coming in as a true freshman is probably better than you as a sophomore or, or, or second-year player. And so then what happens to you is you end up at East Mississippi Community College <laughs> and l- l- looking for a new school. Why? Because you pick the biggest name brand offer as opposed to the school that best fit your talents and developmental needs. I always I – always, you know, I, I tell parents, right, if they ask me, and I don't just give this stuff unsolicited because it's not my role, but they ask me, you know, what – what would you do? And I don't tell him to go to one school over another. But I said, hey, go to the school where the coach is going to brag to you or brag about you to his boosters. Go to the school where that coach is going to tell his AD, hey, we just signed this kid. Because that means you are valued there. And if you get hurt, they're going to stick with you and see you, see you through your, your recovery process because they they need you. If, if you take a little bit longer to develop, they're probably not going to recruit over you, right? They're going to really invest in you and the long-term plan to make you a really good player as a, and, and work with your timetable as opposed to just being on that school's timetable. So if you have a kid out there, and I think this really applies to, to more than football too, you know, if you got a swimmer or a golfer or, I don't know, a soccer player or whatever, I, I do think that probably the major mistake I see – Other than kids not taking enough visits, I would take all your visits, all all five, no matter what. I think the biggest mistake I see is is these kids that pick the name brand as opposed to picking the best fit for them. And then you end up seeing them transfer. Yeah. yeah,
0: It's a good point. Certainly something we've talked about uh, for a while in an article that I know you've at least written once. uh, But that is the idea that if if you're good enough, there's no reason for you ever really to sign a letter of intent. Your, Your place will be held. Granted, that only probably applies to maybe two hundred and fifty to three hundred kids a year or so, but you kind of unnecessarily so giving away a whole lot of uh, bargaining power and, and all your leverage is gone the, the second you send that fax in.
1: No doubt, man. It, it's don't 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 send it in. Don't send it in. Like like Herm Edwards said, don't press send. <laughs> so, oh man.
0: All right, Bud, we uh, made reference to this earlier in the podcast and uh, real excited to be able to uh, bring on somebody that we've read for a while and uh, enjoyed the contributions that he's made at Tomahawk Nation. Uh, if we're going to talk Florida State basketball, which it's become evidently uh, or become abundantly clear, based off some feedback we've received, uh, might as well go ahead and get Matt Minick involved. Uh, Matt, appreciate your time tonight and look forward to uh, – just kind of enjoying a, an overall review as to where the program is, what is possible for this year, and we'll even delve into a couple minutes of basketball recruiting conversation here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be on, and uh, I'd say where the program is, I'd say the fact that Hoops is on the podcast here or being asked to be on the podcast must must mean something's going in
1: the right direction, so happy to be here. No doubt, man. We, uh, we went back and looked, and there are a lot of people asking questions about Hoops, so we're going to try to... Uh, Try to have a, a more regular uh, basketball segment. Probably not every episode, but maybe we'll do once a week, maybe once every other week, whatever it needs to be. Uh, but we thought now would be a perfect time. It's hard to do an episode. It's just straight football recruiting talk the entire time. A lot of our listeners like that, but some are probably a little bit turned off of that. And that has really just been my world for the last week, uh, as you all have already heard on the show, uh, because I've been at, at the, all the All-Star events. So, Matt, just if you would, give us a little overview Uh, of how Florida State basketball is, is doing so far this year.
2: Yeah, they are doing well. Um, they are ranked ninth in the country in the, in the standard polls, human polls, and uh, 16th on Ken Palm, which is more of the, you know, advanced metrics that, you know, if you were going to go with the, uh, like in football, I know y'all talk about a lot of uh, S plus and stuff like that. So Ken Pomeroy is kind of the standard for the gold standard for basketball. They're 11 and one on the season. They've, they've played a a fairly rigorous out of conference schedule, not, you know, top 10, but fairly rigorous. And, uh, they have one more, uh, conference game left. It depends on it's Winthrop on, uh, on January 1st, actually. And then wrapping that up, they'll go right into ACC schedule, uh, which, which will start off on the fifth. They are a good defensive team and a good offensive team with, with the possibility of maybe moving one of those categories up into the great level if they can uh, integrate Phil Kover back. He's been out with injury, so integrate him back uh, into the starting lineup.
0: I guess, you know, we don't want to delve too far away from actually this year and the pieces and components that have the chance to make it special, but let's also just talk a little bit about the transformation of the program and what's led to a place where we can talk about a Florida State team that's 11-1 and one heading into the new year, a team that's already posted wins over, you know, LSU, uh, Purdue, uh, just significant significant pieces as they've kind of made their way through the beginning part of this season. Uh, and that is the, the real transformation that's taken place in the, the roster, the ability of the roster, uh, what the head coach wants, uh, maybe a, a little bit of a leaving what was comfortable, at least what they were familiar with, a hard-nosed team uh, that played a certain brand of ball and uh, transformed into a much more kind of enjoyable, aesthetically pleasing team, and also a team that appears to be able to get some of the results that maybe at one point in time this fan base thought was uh, only associated with a certain style of play.
2: No, absolutely. Um, And, yeah, you mentioned – the conference—they—they're beating teams like LSU and Purdue this year in Florida for the, for the fourth or fifth straight time, and they're—and unlike maybe previous years, as you're alluding to, they're not doing it by grinding teams out in a 51 to 47 battle. I mean, they—you know—they're—they're they're dropping 75, 80 points on on all those teams, and you know, the last time we saw Florida State basketball at you know, probably this level of success was in the 2011-2012 uh, timeframe where they they had four straight NCAA tournament appearances. One of those was a Sweet 16. 2012 culminated in, a, in an ACC championship uh, and, and they earned a, a three seed. And that was done on the back of, of a Leonard Hamilton system that was a twin post. I mean, it's not that he didn't want to run per se. It's just that he had multiple seven footers in the game, or six ten plus guys. He had big guards, never really a true point guard, and and they were content to sit in a half court defense and and force you and grind you into submission, and then look to run when they could and and try to you know throw that traditional entry pass in there into the post and and see you know hope for some sec- success around the basket. In between that you know twenty twelve era and now college basketball changed right you know they they reduced the shot clock by 5 seconds the game has sped up more they started calling a lot more fouls so some of the physical physicality was taken out of the game and they've really enhanced the freedom of movement trying to just clean it up and make it a, a prettier game if you will and and what hamilton ha- smartly did was evolve his strategy and he's gone from more of a twin post style offense to a to a four out one in where it's still read and react. Uh, he has a, a system of principles where you know, the offense, they're not really set plays as much of it. It's kind of like the old Jimbo offense where the defense makes a move and you're going to react. You're going to read that and, and initiate offense based on that. The difference is, is that instead of trying to utilize the reads to open up an entry pass or maybe a slash to the bucket, what they're trying to do now is, uh, they, first of all, they want to run at all opportunities, uh, it whether it's off the made shot, missed shot, block shot, steal, whatever. They want to run as much as they can, use their depth, wear down teams. And and really, they want to uh, create off the dribble. Uh, they, they set a lot of high ball screens. They initiate the action higher, away from the basket, create off the dribble, break a D down, and either finish with a lob, uh kick out to a corner three. They want to have a guy in the corner at all times to a corner three or uh, reverse it back for some ball reversal to try to get to try to initiate the action again. Uh, so he he's evolved and, and it's become a much more up and down, fast-paced team that is consistently in the top three or four in the ACC at pace. Uh, and with that, he's been able to kind of shift the talent that he's recruiting as well and, and kind of have this position list where they maybe have that one anchor center but really a bunch of wings and big guards that can all interchangeable uh, and, and play kind of an interchangeable offense. Uh, and it's, it's been successful. It's been successful. It's exciting. Kids on the recruiting trail gravitate towards it. I think it hasn't hel- uh, hurt rather that Luke Locks is an assistant for Golden State. Some might remember Luke Locks from the 2012 team. Uh, we know that uh, some of the assistants have, have gone to some Golden State uh, offseason workouts and practices, so that's really what Florida State is trying to become. It's more of an NBA offense.
1: That's awesome, man! It, it, like not only for is it to be more effective, but also you know more fun to watch for for the, the, the casual viewer um, who could become more of a diehard you know consumer of FSU basketball in the future. I'm I'm really happy about what they've done. I, mean, and obviously- I
2: shouldn't say. I should. I don't mean to cut. The defense is still strong. The defense is actually ranked higher in the office since year. It's eighteenth uh, in the country on Ken Palm adjusted for strength of schedule. Offense is twenty third. But again, it's not doing it with quite the level of physicality as much as it's just having interchangeable long parts who are turning teams over, jumping passing lanes, and and really trying to funnel folks into bad shots and then use those missed opportunities to turn the fast break the other way.
1: No doubt, I, you know. Just looking at this team and, and, and following all y'all's coverage all year, I like what I'm seeing. I the, the one concern, I guess, has been a little bit of a turnover bugaboo. How do you feel like Cover coming back is is going to impact that? And and do you think he's going to be integrated into the offense in a smooth way? And obviously, I think he, he has an ability to be an asset on defense too, potentially.
2: You're right about the turnover, Boo, and it's kind of odd, too, because, you know, the last couple of years, frankly, Florida State hasn't turned the ball over that much. I mean, you know, it's college basketball, so teams, the average team is still going to turn it over on 16, 17 percent of their possessions. But this year, some of it is frustrating, I think, probably for the coaches. It's just these kind of maddening, uh, a lob that is just too high, and, you know, you don't want to... You don't want to take the the system or the fun out of it for the kids, but at at times it does feel like they've just made some poor decisions. And so this year they're actually in the bottom, you know, ten percent of the country and turning it over more than more than twenty percent of their possession, more than twenty one percent of their possessions, which is really preventing them from being an elite offense. Kofor turned it over the least amount on the team last year, so just by that alone, you would like to think that he is going to bring that number down. But you should also factor in that he hasn't been playing with the team now for quite a number of weeks, and he's only really just played in, in about 20 minutes this season. So I'm sure there's going to be some some kind of two steps forward, one step back when you, when they're trying to work out the kinks. And and a guy maybe who's been used to playing one position now slides over. You know, Terrence Mann plays a little bit less of the four, slides back to the three. Um, and I, I, I would say that – Having Phil Kovich back is is a it's overall a plus, right? There's no question about it. It should bring that down a little bit, but you know we're a third of the way into the season. I don't think they're just going to magically turn into a team that is is very careful with the basketball. So I I don't know. I'd like to be surprised, but I, I still think if if they can turn it over less than twenty percent of their possessions in ACC play, that'd probably be a win. And that would set them up to to be successful in league play.
1: Get that number down around eighteen, nineteen percent, which would still be above average. That, that'd be a ten percent reduction, you know. So that that'd, that'd be great. Matt, coming up, obviously they they have a, a pretty tough start to this ACC schedule. It, it looks like. How how are they been preparing for this? Obviously, they have one more non-conference game, like you said, in Winthrop. But then, bam, out the gate. <laughs> At Virginia, host Miami, host Duke, and then I got to go at Pittsburgh, at BC. Is BC actually good this year? I have not followed BC. And then they host Carson. Too, so. <laughs> 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 they can
2: win some games they shouldn't and lose a bunch of games they shouldn't.
1: What's yeah, it, a reasonable expectation ahead. for January in it's, conference?
2: It's a grind. I mean, first of all, let's just put it out there. The ACC is is the best conference in basketball. So it's not really like – you're going to have to play a stretch like this at some point. You know, coming out with just the the first three, the at Virginia, home against Miami, home against Duke. Miami's down some this year. They're probably bottom five out of you know the fifteen teams. Remember Notre Dame's in the league two for basketball um but you know virginia is the second ranked team in Kim kimbom and that's on the road and duke is the first ranked team in kimbom you know one train of thought would say that if you can just make it through the first stretch at one and two you're probably doing what would be expected and then you need to you need to win you know pit at home is a must win game there pit's better under jeff capel first year coach but the, at home Oh, excuse me. That's that's on the road. So reading that wrong, you know, not a must win, but you should win. And Boston College, that's a tricky place to play. Actually, a lot of a lot of Duke lost there last year. So you'd like to win that game, but if you can make it through the first, I'd say uh, six. Right, like you've got Virginia, Miami, Duke, Pitt, BC, and then Clemson. If you can make it through the first six at at least three and three. They are probably set up to close well. The, the the middle and closing stretch isn't quite as hard as the beginning. If they can make it at four and two, that would be uh, I'd say ideal. That means they've only lost either to Virginia and Duke, or they beat one of those two teams and and then stub their toes somewhere else. But hey, you've knocked off one of the top two or three teams in the country, so I think you'll take that. The main thing, though, with Florida State and, and really any team in ACC play, they gotta win. They gotta protect their home court, right? And so, you don't really want to lose more than two home games uh, in ACC play. And, and they have Duke right off the bat. So, getting that home win over Duke, it, you know, there's a lot of times when Florida State has beaten Duke at home, uh, and and it'll be really the first true hostile environment that Duke's Big Four freshmen play in. They have a road game against Wake before that but Wake is terrible this year. Um, so, you know, if they can pull that upset there, they are set up to, I'd, I'd say, have a top four finish in the conference. But it, they do need to They do need to start off at
1: least getting three and three or four and two through those first six games. That'd be really big, Matt. Ingram, I know we were, we were discussing before we hit record, you had a couple of recruiting requests
0: for Matt. Absolutely. So, I mean, this, this program's kind of what we talked about from the macro perspective about its ability to, uh, get a different level of skill kit in and, and obviously everybody uh, a couple of years ago got all entranced by the uh, the get Wiggins movement that ultimately wasn't successful but uh, sounds like Florida State very much has their hat in the ring for another you know massive national recruit if not maybe the top player in the class so why don't we uh, just devote a little bit of time off the uh, off the top to where Florida State stands and, and what ultimately might be one of the the more defining recruiting uh, processes of the basketball program
2: you're talking about Anthony Edwards who um, is a he was a 2020 kid um, and then he reclassified very recently uh, only only a couple months ago and and when he, he was a 2020 by the way it, the train of thought was Florida State was in the driver's seat uh, they have done a fantastic job Carlton Young, C.Y., and and Gates and, and Hamilton have done a fantastic job of identifying him early and been really been on him for you know four or five years and getting him down to Tallahassee uh, before and he, he, he you know every time that Anthony Edwards talks he always says well Florida State feels like family and, that, and that's frankly just because they've done done a, a tremendous job of being on him early and consistent and being a presence at his AAU games. Um, he he reclassified, which is is a growing trend in basketball. Um, it seems to have a couple guys every year now, and and there was a little bit of question of oh well is he doing that to go to the you know the new NBA uh, the G League or whatever they're calling it is is giving one hundred twenty five thousand dollars salaries now and he kind of put that rumor to bed and said no he wants to go to college he wants the college experience and Florida State is still uh, really to, to presume to be in the leader in the clubhouse right now uh they they do have a, a battle again you know there's kansas uh there is kentucky there's the hometown uh uga who well, he's from atlanta i guess i should have said that and he's already vis- visited uga and there's unc um so it's not like that this is a slam dunk but um you know they are if if you believe the crystal balls and stuff like that florida state is certainly the favorite at this moment in time and as you said he um, you know, on 247 itself, he's the number one kid in the entire class. And the composite, I think he's fourth, but some of those uh, still haven't factored in that he actually switched from 2020 to the 2019 since it happened recently. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up as the composite one or two kid when all is said and done. Uh, where it's He's a surefire lottery pick, one and done. There's no question about that.
1: And that would be special. That would be really cool. I, obviously, when Florida State didn't get Wiggins a couple years ago and – you know, from everything you, you said, it does sound like like Edwards is a better prospect than than Wiggins. They, you know, there was definitely a letdown in recruiting. Like, not that they didn't sign good players, they did, but from a fan you know standpoint, they they didn't. You know, there was almost like, ah, oh, man, like that was a chance to to make the program take another step forward, and yet it still did take a step forward, even without Wiggins. Who do yeah. you have behind Wiggins that that forces the fans, or excuse me, behind Edwards who? If they don't get Edwards, that FSU fans could also get excited about in the coming years.
2: Yeah, no, it's a good – and I think folks would do well to remember that, you know, they missed Wiggins and, God, Wiggins, I think his official visit was at a UF game where, where Florida State just got ob- obliterated. Uh, so I'm sure that didn't help, as did, uh, the, you know, he went to Kansas, who's been named in all of the Adidas uh, scandals, the, the shoe company scandals. So read, read into that what you will. Uh, he did sign a big contract with Adidas. But, you know, after that, there was some struggles there for a little bit. It seemed like, well, had had Hamilton lost his touch, you know, and he was able to sign that the class of of Malik Beasley, Dwayne Bacon, and Terrence Mann, and that really kind of changed the narrative again. And and Beasley was a one and done, who's getting good minutes with Denver, Denver Nuggets in the NBA. Bacon played two years; he's doing well with uh, with the Hornets. And then the very next year, they followed that up with Jonathan Isaac, who not quite as highly ranked as an Anthony Edwards type kid, but a surefire lottery pick nonetheless. And Isaac's now starting. So Florida seen as a place. They've had two one and duns. They've had another sophomore that went to the league right after that. He's doing well. They can develop NBA talent and that and that has helped. So to your point, they got a kid, Patrick Williams, out of North Carolina. He he was the second ranked player in the state, top fifty kid. I mean, he's a he's a legit you know, maybe not five star, but this kid is exactly what Leonard Hamilton is looking for. He's he's long. He's a wing. He's six seven, maybe 190 pounds. He can shoot, score at all three levels. Uh, he can alter games by in the passing lanes and blocking shots. So he's exactly what he's looking for in this offense. He's got a shooting guard coming, another JUCO shooting guard. Hamilton's done really well with these. You know, PJ Savoy is a senior. He'll be he'll be graduating. And we've got yeah. Nathaniel Jack coming in from uh, Eastern Florida State College uh, that he's going to slide right in there and is just a, a sniper from three. So he's doing a great job of identifying a role and a player that fits that role and a need he's come, he's to come, come in and I would imagine have an instant impact with the way he stretches defenses. It's also got a, a couple of seven footers signed, as as Leonard always does, uh, and so the you know Bolsa uh, Cabrif- Cabrifica, uh, you know I don't know <laughs> if I'm saying that the right way, and uh, Naheem McCloyd both of which have uh, are probably more skilled at this point in time than someone like a Chris Kamaji was when he was coming in, um, so. You know, those I, I would say that neither one of them are going to be just an instant. Maybe and they're not going to be started right away, but um, they certainly can make an impact uh, in their freshman year. And there still is a kid, a local kid, uh, Zimafi uh, Nikoji from from McClay, who's committed but hasn't signed. Maybe he's waiting on uh, what seeing what Edwards is doing. I wouldn't be shocked if they went the grad transfer route again as well. David Nichols from Albany has been a really big asset to the team this year uh, at point guard. They had uh, Jeff Peterson a few years ago as a point guard grad transfer that was big. You know Trent Forrest should come around, come back next year. He'll be a senior, but it's great to have an experienced, steady point guard that you could throw in the court with a guy like Forrest and have them, uh, you know, sharing those ball handling duties. So I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't have another grad transfer up his sleeve somewhere.
1: I'll get you out of there here on this one. This is from Kevin. This is the uh, the, the basketball question that we picked for this week. Uh, if y'all have basketball questions, please do free, do free to send them to uh, the at gmail.com. Uh, Kevin writes, As a fan, in, in the 2018 NCAA tournament, FSU men's basketball lost by four points to Michigan in, in the Elite Eight. Had they pulled out the win, it seems fair to predict FSU would have likely followed the same path as Michigan and defeated Loyola Chicago in the semis, only to get crushed by Villanova in the title game. My question is, would you rather have seen FSU annihilated in the title game, or are you more content with the Elite Eight finish? As a fan, I felt it would likely have been demoralizing for a program like FSU to miraculously play for a basketball title, crazy to think about, for only the second time in program history and get embarrassed by Villanova, almost making it feel like they don't belong. I'm kind of more satisfied with where they finished and the prospect of a run this year. Uh, But then again, in NCAA basketball, a loss like that in the championship of that tournament doesn't seem like it would be damaging to morale going forward, like a championship blowout in the current FBS bowl system. Michigan is doing just fine for themselves uh, since they've been a more established basketball program. Interesting question there, and, and you know, Matt would like your thoughts. Uh, would you have rather gone to the championship game last year and got obliterated, or do you think where they finished was good for the program?
2: First of all, I do think – let me see your second question. I think where they finished was good for the program. It doesn't hurt to ever say that you went to the Elite Eight as to the question of which which would I rather have, I, I think no question. Uh, the give me the operation in the title game. Um, you know, banners speak loudly, and you get to hang that Final Four banner, regardless of what the score is. Uh, maybe not the national championship banner, but you still get to hang the Final Four banner. Um, and and frankly, that's just another week that that you're in the spotlight. National media is talking about you leading up to those games. It's um, certainly, you know, for whatever. Look, NCAA tournaments are crapshoots, right? Like, there have been phenomenal Duke, Kansas, Michigan State teams that have lost in the first round. UVA w- lost one ACC game last year, won the regular season, won the, the ACC championship in the tournament, lost to a seed seed. So, proof there that it's, it's a crapshoot. You always want to have that chance, right? If you're telling me that we're going to have a chance to – Playing the championship game, I'll take it. Uh, it's, it's kind of similar to the question of, well, would you rather make the NIT and win the NIT or, or lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament? Losing the first round of the NCAA tournament every time. It doesn't hurt to say that you made the tournament, you have a chance, and you never know. You never know how the draw and the seeds are going to go. So, you know, get to the tournament as many times as you can. Uh, make as deep of a run as you can and hope that the matchups, you know, fall in your favor is my philosophy.
1: Awesome, and you know, Matt. I, I know we really appreciate you coming on with us, man. And uh, I feel like now that we've kind of got everybody up to speed, uh, maybe, maybe we'll start doing this more often. I, I, you know, if you guys enjoy this, please just let us know it, and, and you know, tell Matt thank you. And uh, if you want a lot more in-depth basketball coverage than what we can give you on the show, Matt and Michael over, over at TN just do a phenomenal job, uh, as well as everybody else who, who's there uh, covering games and writing about the program. I just I love all their basketball features. That they're able to put together. I, I like their baseball, or not their baseball breakdown, baseline breakdown. Gosh, you know we're, we're keeping everybody up to date on where they project as a tournament seed, which looks like a three or four right now. Pretty cool. I mean, early, but cool.
2: Early, yeah. And they're gonna pile up. People need to be prepared. No, one, you know, you're gonna lose five, six, seven games and conference play now you know this is the acc so the you just gotta protect your home court but yes i think a three or four seed would sound about right as of this moment
1: and of course the inside the box score feature uh that that, that rogner does is is awesome as well so very much appreciate the time and uh have a happy new year
2: yeah, y'all too. Thanks for uh, having me on and hopefully uh, I'd love to be back and or get Rogner on too and he, he can really do a lot more of the if you really want to know about the X and O's, uh, y'all y'all just blow up Rogner's email uh, uh, Tomahawk Nation fans about he'll do a whole breakdown of the of the new offense, but hopefully we can come back on after a big big win over UVA or
1: Duke in the next uh couple of weeks. No doubt, man. All right. Take care, buddy. Happy New Year. All right, uh, guys, very much appreciate y'all listening to the show tonight. And uh, we will join you again, most likely in less than a week. It's been a, a great 2018 year for us. Certainly some ups and downs for Florida State's program. We, we thank you all for, for being with us throughout the process. And uh, hope you all have a blessed and happy new year.